Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30 p.m. to 2.00 p.m. Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. the life story of bhagwan sri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on october 24th 2013 offering humble pranams at bhagwan's lotus feet Dear listeners this is Prem from Team Radio Sai being joined by Arvind of Team Radio Sai we are with you for this week's afternoon satsang so it is a pleasure today to join you yet again for an afternoon satsang and if you are regularly listening to our series you will know that this week it's back to that exciting satyam shivam sundaram series and before we go on with what we're going to talk to you about today let me join you all in welcoming Arvind Sairam Arvind Sairam Prem when we have you know a look at a lot of uh, swami's photographs taken during the year that we are speaking about now which is 1948 we just completed 1947 mm-hmm. and we are into 1948 we see though it is not officially recorded anywhere as such but we see that between 1947 to 1948 there is a quite dramatic change in swami's appearance swami appears a little more thinner more gaunt and apparently having lost quite some weight so 1948 was a slightly quiet period because for almost 3 to 4 months in 1948 swami did nothing but in quotes rest at doddamane sakama's home in bangalore but you know it would be amazing when we discuss 1948 to see that in spite of this being a quiet year a year of rest because swami had some illness which is not actually documented it is still so filled with activity and the number of things that happened in 1948 one can just never imagine that a person not in the pink of his health or the peak of his physical constitution would be able to manage the kind of things that swami managed in 1948 and having said that you know we will come to that later of how what was happening with swami in the fronts of swami's health and the very profound explanation which swami gave that and the parallels which swami drew with other avatars mm-hmm. but as you said one thing which swami had mentioned before is that you know the demarcation of 16 16 years in swami's life correct this also proved to be a time where you know there was a difference in the kind of activities swami did mm. as we saw 1947 was the time when swami gave his first discourse and in the 50s we'll see that wherever swami goes that would be one of the important things that he did he would always give an upadesh he would always give a discourse and that will be the central event of a visit to any place though swami was continuing those individual house visits spending time with family spending time with extended families that became an important aspect of every visit of swami actually if we see if we see the demarcation that swami has done it was said that the first 16 years of life of swami's life would be leelas the next 16 would be mahimas and the third 16 years would be the upadesh you know so 
according to that it coincides with 16 plus 16 32 32 to 48 so when swami physically turned 32 that is much later that was when even you know the sanatana sarathi and other such things came into being right right the discourses went on to a new high a new high in the sense in the terms of quantity the number of discourses that swami gave Yeah, was on a rise you see the early 50s mm. there are some discourses where swami would go to a particular village speak mm. to the farmers there mm. so all the examples that swami would give would be relating to farming sowing seeds harvesting it was definitely a spiritual discourse there's no doubt about that swami would never dilute his agenda but it was for specific groups you know there were uh, discourses swami would give school children on inaugurating a new building or uh, swami would give weavers swami would go into a weaver community and give examples pertaining to them but when swami started giving maximum importance as you saying to the message was maybe in that period of 32 when as we saying another important figure enters swami's life in this year 1948 yes shri kasturi important figure for us <laughs> <laughs> correct for swami everyone are equally important right but in terms of documenting swami's history shri narayan kasturi he got the privilege of entering sai's fold in 1948 we will come to that also the other or the most if we can say the most important event of 1948 was the beginning of the construction of the prashantiniliyam mandir as we know it today right what was happening is we've seen that 1947 swami started traveling so as swami started traveling more people started visiting swami as these festivals of dashara and birthday and you know vaikuntha ekadashi was a very special festival then This, when swami would materialize right. a vessel with amrit right, right. and swami would end it sometimes very fascinating swami would pull out that vessel from under the sands in chitravati but still there would be amrit in that and there would be no not a uh, grain of sand, sand sticking either to the vessel or to swami's <laughs> hand so these events started drawing more people and the more people started coming in more discomfiture for swami you know the kind of uh, facilities which swami had in parthi was very less and even the devotees were inconvenienced So I think it was Sakama who suggested that Swami should, in fact, shift to Bangalore. She offered to build an ashram for Swami in Bangalore. You know, uh, it is uh, such a <laughs> so many things start coming bubbling from within. Having seen all that happens in 1948, it's only after we talk and discuss the whole 1948 can we see the connections. You know, Sakama's desire that Swami should spend time in Bangalore. Uh, you know swami apparently being sick and spending 3 4 months at her home but at the same time ishwaramma has elicited a promise from swami that he would not leave puttaparthi whatever happens sakama wants to build an abode for swami all these come together and a beautiful year 1948 sprouts so if we have to start 1948 right from the very beginning one of the first things that happened in 1948 is as you said many devotees started coming to swami Among these devotees were also devotees from the royal families. Right. It was on the eighth of January, nineteen forty-eight, that the Queen, the Maharani of the Kingdom of Sandur, Sandur was a small kingdom that's located somewhere in between the current-day Andhra Pradesh and Karnataka states. So, if you know, if I may be allowed, a small detour into the history. I think uh, in the current map, I think it comes around in the Bellary district region. Correct. Yes, even there is there is a town called Sandur also, right? Okay. And I think the Sandur Palace has been converted into a four-star hotel or a three-star oh. hotel. Okay. Today, that's what happens to most of the palaces. They get con because in that way, 
there are funds to maintain at the same time right. some sections people you know feel royalty feel get the chance to get a feel of royalty and people staying in that hotel will have no idea that swami himself had stayed in that place sometime back yes that happened in 1948 but that was later much later right before that i think it was the queen you know the queen her name was sushila devi ghorpade okay that was a family name uh, yeah the ghorpade now that is an interesting history actually mm-hmm. you know in the 15th century i don't know if it's 1470 or 1460 that was the time when the marathas were coming the marathas who are famously known after the king shivaji right these marathas they were ruling in maharashtra region and shivaji swami speaks so highly of him and his mother jijabai more there are at least three chinnakathas based on shivaji i think right one is with jijambai one is about that frog in the stone with the with samarthram samarthram das his guru well those are yeah, yeah but so, <laughs> you can't help that and so you know while talking about swami so many things crop right. up that's what i was saying so during those times when the marathas were ruling a large part of central india mm-hmm. there was also the bahamani kingdom to the south of the maharashtrian kingdom at that time you know there were two brave generals okay now these two brave generals they are actually the forefathers of this uh, ghorpade family mm-hmm. now how they got this name ghorpade is because these two generals one was karan singh and the other was bhim singh Mm-hmm. I think they are named after the two Pandavas, Karna and Bhima. Okay. So Karan Singh and Bhim Singh, they had to capture the fort of Vishal Durg. Now the fort of Vishal Durg was an impregnable one because on one side was the main gate, which is heavily guarded, and there are even cannon shells and other mortar guns to guard that. The other side is a steep cliff, natural uh, obstacle against any army. Right. That's how they used to build forts those days on top of the hill. Uh, so this Vishalgarh fort it exists even today. So if we visit it, you can have a look at how difficult it must have been in those times mm-hmm. to conquer it without helicopters, flying planes, or anything like that. At that time, you know, our uh, the general Karan Singh came up with a brilliant plan. Mm-hmm. He said the only way to attack them is from the behind. That is to climb the hill into the fort. They wondered that is okay. That's a good thing. But how do you climb? he brought a monitor lizard now the monitor lizard is known for its grip the right. way it can grip and it can even scale vertical walls mm-hmm. so they say that he used a monitor lizard tied to a rope which goes up right there are so many legends about this you know correct they tie a rope to it throw it up and that grips the wall that grips the wall and with the help of that soldiers climb up one or right. two soldiers then the soldiers secure the rope and let down for the Uh, the rest so of the rest army of the to army climb up. Climb up. Wow. Okay. In Marathi, this monitor lizard in that region locally, it's called ghorpad. Oh. It's called a ghorpad, and because of that, you know, because he used the ghorpad to achieve a phenomenal, unbelievable victory. Current Singh's family and generations after that, you know, Current Singh did not actually have children who became rulers. Mm-hmm. It was his brother Bhim Singh, and the rulers of Sandur. were all descendants from bhim singh not karan singh but from then on they were given the family name ghorpade because they made use of the ghorpads to achieve in memory of that famous unbelievable victory and bravery that was shown by uh, these This princes clan, okay. yeah so they have been named as ghorpade in fact they trace their origins back to the sisodia rajputs of rajasthan okay so in 1948 the king 
ॲट संदूर वॉज श्रीमद यशवंतराव हिंदूराव घोरपडे सो हिज वाईफ दॅट इज द क्वीन वी आर टॉकिंग अबाउट सुशीला देवी घोरपडे शी केम टू नो अबाउट स्वामी फ्रॉम अनदर मेंबर ऑफ द रॉयल्टी विच वॉज द अरस फॅमिली इन मैसूर राईट दॅट इज रॉयल्टी ॲट मैसूर ओके द फॅमिली स्टील एक्झिस्ट इन फॅक्ट वन एम वाय अरस इफ आय रिमेंबर ही वॉज ऑल्सो द चीफ मिनिस्टर फॉर द स्टेट ऑफ कर्नाटका फॉर अ ब्रीफ पिरियड ओके सो इट इज द रॉयल फॅमिली सो फ्रॉम दॅन she got to know that swami would be coming to bangalore and swami is a personality that she must visit and yeah, that's how i think even before she comes to know of swami she has that interesting dream where oh, she yes. sees shirdi baba and swami and she is really wondering you know who is this person who is coming in the dream and and also that was a time when they were going through what the other monarchies were going through the prospect of losing their whole kingdom to this newly formed republic Yes 1947 India had become India a, had not become a republic still it was India was 50. an independent nation right so there was this talk of you know acquiring the monarchies from these kings so this was also a a small kingdom which was going through that phase and of uncertainty so that was a time when swami comes in this dream of this queen and a friend immediately calls her and says that you know so and so is coming to my home you should come and see him hmm. and i think that is the event happens that is a very powerful moment she goes and the first moment she sees swami when they stand on the doorstep to welcome swami she sees and she feels that he is god you know that's a very powerful moment and that's a very great blessing also prem right uh, to be able to recognize divinity the moment you set your eyes on him and you know i was just thinking if we look at the pictures that that are in front of us right now look at swami when we came to swami how swami was i mean he had that swaminess about him right he had that something we felt oh, he is not an ordinary person but if you look at the photos of those days it looks like any any other ordinary person apart from his seemingly weird hairstyle what devotees used to call it like that i mean what uh, newcomers would call it as the afro style with a partition in between you know so in no way when you look at him physically he looks like divine or anything like that in such circumstances when you know maya is apparently at its highest because you know physically no way does this personage appear divine in such circumstances if the rani of sandur was able to just look at swami and feel it in her heart that this is god it is really the merit of so many births exactly you no know, swami sings in that uh, telugu song mm-hmm. tanavari gurtimp tarli vache you know he says i have come to recognize those people who belong to me the blessing which swami gave is he also gave the opportunity to those who belong to him to recognize him you know that's what happened with this queen the moment she saw swami she knew that and you know swami gave her an example of his omnipresence his omniscience i mean in the sense that even though she did not state what was bothering her that sardar vallabhai patel had set about the amalgamation of states and the kingdom of sandur might now get amalgamated into different indian states which might not be beneficial for the people right. by the way i must mention that if we look at the chronicles of sandur in the internet or in the history history mm-hmm. books of sandur you know sandur was a very very well ruled kingdom oh okay. the subjects were all very happy the kind of um, governance that they were subjected to was simply wonderful and that was the thing you know that is what the the subjects were resisting this amalgamation with an indian nation because they said that our king and queen are so wonderful we don't want to be ruled by anybody else we want to be ruled by our own king and queen you know but, but for the sake of governance it had to be amalgamated so this was the problem and this was the worry more than 
you know there were some of those princes and kings who were worried that you know our kingdom would be lost mm-hmm. the queen and the king of sandur their worry was will our subjects continue to be prosperous and happy even after this amalgamation they were worried about the subjects and you know that i feel is indeed a noble worry and swami calmed her immediately swami told her amma you don't worry about your state it is going to become a hundred times bigger than it is now <laughs> you know uh, the way swami put it it was not as if sandur will become part of karnataka it was as if karnataka itself is now going to become a part of sandur that is the way swami put it to her and told her you don't worry your kingdom is not going to get broken it is going to become 100 times bigger than what it is now it's really beautiful because in a discourse which i was hearing sometime back you know mm-hmm. swami makes this statement he said see if you are going to ha- be happy with the good tidings which happened to you mm-hmm. then your happiness will be limited mm-hmm. but if you are prepared to be happy with the nice things that happens to people all around you then you can be happy always exactly that's a rephrasement of what <laughs> swami is telling here because swami is telling as long as you think that this kingdom belongs to you then mm. you are only the ruler of this kingdom and only this belongs to you but if you are ready to look at this entire country which is going to be yours then as swami said your state is going to become 100 times bigger no wonder that swami used to always say that i am always happy because anybody and everybody's happiness is his happiness right really what what a beautiful like practical example of expansion love you know one of the ways to inculcate expansion love in our lives is to rejoice at others joys and also what a beautiful imagery this is because swami was showing that what you think is yours is going to be taken away from you and what is actually yours is going to come to you and that's what swami did to these people their kingdoms were taken away i mean in a political sense but they found swami in the they process they found the kingdom of god they found the one who really belongs to them beautiful in fact that was the very next statement you know after swami assured her telling that it will become 100 times bigger than what it is swami told her come to puttaparthi with the maharaja now this evoked mixed feelings in the rani because the first part of the statement made her happy come to puttaparthi with the maharaja because with the maharaja brought some worry to her because you know uh, the maharaja he was not a believer in babas and swamis and all that usually we see that that is almost i should not make a generalization but if we have a look at it on a large scale it is the women who are drawn to spiritual subjects faster than the men it appears so like that because in two or three more royal families that we will see it is the same case that the women got drawn first and then came the men so she was worried about it but that she felt that if swami has called he has to make it happen and she had her confidence and faith that that is anyway bound to happen so with that she left and immediately after she left to her kingdom back to sandur and before that she also invited swami to visit her residence in bangalore yes and i think swami did that also swami visited her house mm-hmm. and that's after which she returns to uh, her kingdom and swami also returns to puttaparthi Putta after that and that is when you know swami returns we can say that swami returns to his kingdom because this was going to be the beginning of his kingdom let me put it this way once it so happened that you know the chitravati river was in spate and because the river was in spate it began to flow even into the village of puttaparthi so much so that on one occasion it came even into the patamandiram mm-hmm. and all the tins of oil and rations and everything were floating on the water 
you know these were the uh, rations that were to be used to cook food for the devotees and since they were floating in the water you know everybody felt that the mandir is not apparently safe and secure enough against these elements what if the flood comes again so that was one of the reasons when you know some of the devotees began to seriously contemplate on a bigger and better mandir for swami at the same time here was doddamane sakamma who had thought about this you know she wanted to as you said she wanted to build a ashram for swami in bangalore which had all facilities to take care of the devotees right and in fact one of the reasons why she thought of bangalore was it was so difficult to procure a land in puttapalli because people were still not accepting that idea that here is a little village boy who grew with us hmm. who now his claiming Being so much as the lord of the universe right. so therefore if you see at that time that point in time the patamandir itself as we discussed was on the outskirts of the village yes just it in was, the fringe it was just outside the village dotamane sakama finally wanted to buy a piece of land she bought it way outside the village you know way outside the village guys i think 3.86 acres of land yes for an exorbitant price of 5000 rupees that time okay. it was indeed exorbitant and she had to do that because nobody else was ready to sell their land correct for the purpose of swami's uh, mandir correct you know in order to get an idea of how exorbitant it was if we go back remember the land for the patha mandir which was procured in 1945 right was done so by karanam subama and karanam Kar- kamlama, kamlama for a price of rupees 50 okay rupees 50 that was now here was a land it also gives an idea of the amount of land she bought a huge piece of land worth 5000 which is 100 times costlier than the land that had been bought just 3 years ago so that was a kind of land that dodamane sakama so, bought and you know there's a beautiful document if you don't mind i would just read out sure. what is there in the document this document number 860 when dodamane sakama bought the piece of land it says that executed in favor of shrimati d sakama the seva parayani you know that was her title right, she was she was given the title by the mysore kingdom is it I think she was. Uh, she was also honoured yes, yes. by the British government, also. As a, yeah, by the British government as Kaiser A Hind, right? And by the Mysore uh, Kingdom as Seva Parayani. Seva Parayani means one who is devoted to service, and Kaiser A Hind means the jewel of India. India. <laughs> Because of her charitable activities, she was known like that. In fact, I think she even uh, joined the Royal Mysore Assembly in the Mysore Kingdom when for governance. Right. It also speaks about the progressive. society which was then you know quite contrary to what we believe that here is a woman who could achieve such things in the society and she was a devotee of swami but here it says that the third wife of chinna basappa the resident of basavanagudi in bangalore mm-hmm. in the sub registrar office between 12 pm to 1 pm paying a requisite fee of 80 paisa that is the registration fees for the document the executors of the registered sale deed have received an amount of 3000 on the 12th of september 1946 through the deed agreement with the remaining amount of 2000 to be received in the presence of the sub registrar at the time of execution of the sale deed and then the deed uh, defines the boundaries for the property on the east that is where we see the main road that leads to the main uh, entrance okay. of prashantilyam it is said on the east the cartway towards enumalapalli <laughs> so there was no road and it was just a clearance some bushes had been cleared so that carts could go so that cartway formed the eastern boundary and on the west and north there was a kadiyala thimmappa 
ही हैड अग्रीकल्चरल लैंड्स सो कड़ियाला तिम्मा जमीन एंड इन बिटवीन एंड टूवर्ड्स द नॉर्थ ऑल्सो देर वेर द लैंड ऑफ सो मेनी फार्मर्स सो एम्बेडेड इन बिटवीन दीज फार्म लैंड्स वॉज दिस लैंड दैट शाकम्मा बॉट it was in her possession for almost so a year this is an idea that 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 place which we see as a gopuram road and that main road between gopuram and the old mandir would have been farmlands exactly so it was you know way outside the village right it's about 200 meters away from the patamandir and patamandir itself is outside the village so you can see how they outcast swami actually but <laughs> today we have a look the village we think where the puttaparthi is ending that is actually the beginning of the village <laughs> you know the new puttaparthi has come into being and she held on to this land for a year after which she gave it to swami right she wanted to donate it to swami and again you know she made another document mm-hmm. in that she stated that for the self satisfaction of my husband and myself i have handed over the site which i have acquired out of the income that we have received from our tea estates at bangalore so at the sub register office bookapatnam with absolute rights to sell and donate at your free will and to utilize the property for any of the following purposes she stated her intent behind giving the land she said one to construct the ashram and related constructions on the property to lease out the property to good farmers and deposit the lease rent until such a time when construction of bhajan mandirs and residential flats becomes possible so she said the land could be utilized for agriculture till a decision was taken to build bhajan mandirs she thought multiple mandirs will be coming up and flats for accommodation of devotees another important point you see what we see today as a practice in prashantilyam apparently had been embedded back then right i will read it out you will understand what i am talking about exactly. that on the scheduled property the construction of residential flats for the use of devotees of shri satyasai baba should be only with your permission referring to baba's permission only but such devotees in whose favor the residential flats are constructed will not have any right in whatever manner over the scheduled property afterwards <laughs> and we see that happening even today you know all the uh, apartments and flats that have been allotted to different people in the mandir it is theirs you know as long as they are physically alive it is not ancestral it is not automatically given to their children after their passing right so sometimes it seems strange but this was a thing that had been executed by sakama in 1948 <laughs> and you know swami has stuck to the legalities of and the condition that she set then um, the third thing she had requested was the foundation stone should be laid as quickly as practicable with that she offered this land completely to swami in 1947 and then after swami received that land swami did not wait even uh, for a few years or so because swami immediately started making plans and and, th- and there is that very interesting event which is similar events have happened in previous years also swami was sitting in the chitavati sand and swami was drawing the plans for this prashantinilya ashram mm. swami was saying that this is where the mandir will come in the bhajan all and swami even went on to say east prashanti west prashanti south prashanti and which made no sense to people no then no sense to people and in fact swami said a day will come when people will come from all corners of the world and some devotees who were you know uh, present when swami was making such revelations 
very regretfully say that they, they even laughed sneered at swami and laughed even though they were the devotees and they were not the uh, you know doubters then but still they said the atrociousness of this prophecy audacity of that you know? uh, prophecy they said how can swami say that the world is going to come people take 24 hours to come here from bangalore <laughs> you know the nearest city and swami saying the people from all corners of the world will come and swami went on to say that then you will not be able to see even my hair that's how far i will be and that was a prophecy which most of them lived to see i think prem you know when you made this observation i was just thinking you know those devotees now they regret some of them saying that when swami said a time will come when you'll struggle to see a speck of my robe a little of my hair they all laughed wondering how that can ever happen i sometimes feel that we too are guilty of this kind of mockery you know because i remember a few years back swami said a time will come when india china japan pakistan all of them will become one and seeing even today the conditions <laughs> that exist it seems most unlikely that this such a thing will ever happen and we often think that you know oh we think that you know what is swami speaking it's not as if we don't believe him it's not as if we are not devotees but in spite of that you know that complete acceptance of the master somehow i don't think i have that you know so lacking when we read such episodes they remind us that let us remember about whom we are talking and let us remember that how much ever we try we will never be able to comprehend even an iota of his magnificence and power and that every word every breath he speaks is true so let us not take anything lightly what he has said let us take everything seriously it's just a matter of time because it has been proved over and over many times before in the past that you know even when he said that this is the drawing of the mandir that is going to come up seeing the scale and size of the drawing itself people wondered why even swami's own bodily mother apparently later on asked him swami why are you building such a big mandir where will you get people to fill this you know if she had seen that the stadium outdoor stadium was insufficient to accommodate devotees so much so that the whole event had to be broadcast and telecast live and about 80 to 90000 people from around the world logged in to view it live almost deferred live you know maybe she would have got an idea of what is the kind of crowds that came to see swami absolutely and i think uh, it was all part of the game where swami would give things which was so unbelievable and then let the history reveal itself and then floor you by the very grandeur of the flow of events speaking of uh, swami would give things so unbelievable i'm reminded you know before we go off into the new mandir that is being constructed one or two episodes that took place in the path mandir unbelievably profound ones in fact i remember one of them has been documented even in our video documentary entitled the advent and uh, it would be apt i think at this point to just play that little audio clip of course though we are not able to view the video the audio in itself with the sound effects will give us an idea of this episode that took place right, in the patmandir because you will hear the voice over in english but in the background you can hear the voice of uh, mrs vijay kumari the author of anyata sharanam nasti who was present when this event happened she narrated was it. present during many of the events which happened in 47 48 and when we the, uh, record an interview with her she narrated these episodes yes. So we listen to that small clip from the documentary named The Advent. 
Incredible were the leelas that the Lord performed during the Patha Mandiram days. Not many had the good fortune of seeing them, but among the blessed few who did, some have recorded for posterity what they saw. One such is Mrs. Vijay Kumari, who at the time she witnessed these incredible leelas of God, was a young girl. Those leelas made a deep impression on her. And even now, 60 years later, she is able to relive every single one of those precious moments. One day in 1946, we were all seated around Swami in the Pathamandiram. There was a huge pile of tulsi leaves and Swami asked us to make garlands with them. In fact, he himself started making a garland. That was the first time we saw him make a garland and the speed with which he worked was amazing. All of a sudden Swami said, Listen, Ganga Mata is coming. Get up and let us all go and see her. Although Swami got up and moved forward, we did not believe what he said. We just covered our mouths and started laughing. Where is Ganga and where is Puttaparthi? Thinking thus, we continued to sit and didn't budge. But when Swami started to go quickly towards the main gate, we immediately followed. Swami went out of the main gate and stood there. Stretching his hands wide on either side, he said, Nobody should cross this limit. All of you must stand behind. We did as told, wondering, Swami, where is the Ganga you were talking about? Just then Swami said in an excited voice, Look there, she's coming. Suddenly we heard the roar of massive waves and saw a huge torrent of water rushing towards us with great speed and tremendous force. Scared to death, we feared that we would all be drowned by this deluge. I, along with other children, then caught hold of Swami tightly. Swami told us to remain silent and watch Mother Ganga. As the water approached us, Swami stretched forth both his hands in a gesture of benediction. And most miraculously, the surging water became calm where we were. But beyond that area, the water was still roaring and turbulent. Addressing the waves, Swami said, Ganga, we are very happy that you have come here all the way from Kailash. Turning to us, he said, Mother Ganga has come all the way from Kailash and you are not even doing puja? Run and get kumkum, turmeric, flowers and some coconuts and perform puja. We rushed inside, brought with us all the required articles and did the puja as instructed. Swami himself broke the coconuts and offering them to the river before us said, Ganga Mata, we are so happy that you could come here. He then blessed her and asked her to return. Even as he was instructing her, she vanished completely.
she was gone as mysteriously as she came. A moment earlier, there was a torrent of water, but now, most amazingly, there was absolutely no sign of even wetness anywhere. We then prayed to Swami to go back inside the mandir. However, Swami continued to stand there and told us to look at his feet. When we did, we found a garland of jasmine flowers around them. The surprising part was that each flower was as big as a ball. The fragrance was superb and the garland was very well made. Swami asked us to pick up the garland and hand it over to him, telling us that these flowers were from Kailash, which was why they were so big. Swami then removed the flowers one by one and distributed them. Our family also got a flower and we kept it safely until the flower gradually dried up. There's no words which we could add to that description. And you know, I've seen that video Arvind where she narrates this thing. You can see the whole scene coming alive in her eyes when she's narrating that incident. And, and she was merely a small girl when this thing happened. And I also remember another incident she narrates in the same period. Mm. You know, she was talking about making Tulsi uh, garlands because that was a time when the other pastime, other, apart from doing bhajans, was to make garlands for Swami. Hmm. Uh, because Swami was very fond of flowers. Even so all the ladies would participate in right, that. All the ladies would sit around in a group and make garlands and Swami would come in and join sometimes. So one day when they were making these Tulsi garlands, Swami came in and said, hey, let's have a game. He said, uh, let's see who can make a garland which is equal to my height. To put it that way. He said, hmm. it should be exactly equal to my height. So hmm. everybody started making garlands and Swami also sat and started making a garland and they would come and measure Swami. They would ask Swami to stand, measure with the thread. Oh my God. <laughs> and uh -huh. start making those garlands. But it would So measure it with the thread, right? Right. Uh -huh. And every time, how many other times they would measure and make the garland, it would either be short or long. Hmm. Something, some mischief Swami was doing. Then even as Swami was talking to them and saying that, no, your garland is not you know, good enough. Swami himself made a garland and that was done without any measurement and it was perfectly to Swami's height. Wow. But by the time this game had ended, they found that they had had a huge heap of a Tulsi garland made. So mm. they wanted what to do with this, all this garland now. And Swami said, okay, you give me all the garlands. And then Swami started tying them into a ball. Mm. So made them into a real tight Tulsi football or whatever you could call that. Okay. And then Swami said, okay, all the ladies come to one side, all the men folk come to one side. So there were men also involved in this competition. Right. I mean, I don't know whether they involved in the competition, but the game after that, Swami okay. invited them to. Uh -huh. So then Swami started throwing this ball to each one of them and they would throw it back to Swami. And, you know, a game like that was going on and they had no clue how long they played that game. Hmm. It looked like they played for a very short time because they were having a lot of fun. But after the game was over, the way they were gasping for breath and they were feeling a kind of a heaviness in their head, that's when they realized that they had played for so long. Hmm. And okay. so when they sat and they started discussing with each other that oh, we seem to have played for so long and all that. And then uh, one of the, peop the people who were playing there, he said, but I wonder why Swami was playing only with me. Hmm. You know, he was all the time throwing the ball only to me. 
and immediately another person said that you know how can that be because Swami was playing only with me and I was feeling why is Swami playing only with me hmm and then they realized that each one felt that way that Swami was playing ball game only with them wow and then when they were wondering what had actually happened and this heaviness in their head they were feeling hmm a kind of happiness which they never experienced before and this weird feeling of Swami having played with each one of them Swami came by and said that you silly ones you don't realize that i actually played the rasa krida with you wow you know krishna had simultaneously danced with each of the gopikas right. in the dwapar yuga as proof of his all pervasiveness in the universe and that is what exactly the devotees at patamandir had also experienced on that day that rare joy that supreme bliss that made them feel as if they were floating in the air in spite of them being so tired and fatigued you know that that sweet thought of being one with the lord that is what actually had frenzied them into such happiness right. that they had forgotten their bodies and their fatigue and everything you know at the same time there's one more beautiful parallel mm-hmm. with the krishna avatar in this uh, story you were talking about how they were all trying to make a garland that would match swami's height you know there is a story of mother yashoda being annoyed with krishna being so naughty so she decides that she will tie him up to a place at home so that he doesn't go about doing his mischief mm-hmm. and at that time she goes and she gets a rope she sees that it is not long enough to tie krishna and then the next rope she gets she sees that it is too long and it may envelop her little krishna after all he's a little uh, child and he should not get <laughs> overlapped with so many ropes so it's too long then the next rope is too short it goes on for a long time she's not just not able to get a rope that is good enough long enough yet not very short so that it can tie krishna till krishna himself smiles and allows himself to be tied you know in that the message that that story gives is that you cannot bind the lord the lord should allow himself to be bound by you and the lord will allow himself to be bound to you only when he receives your love and devotion so i think in a way that too was the same message here also that how much ever you try you take the measurement i was just picturing even as you were telling you know pictureizing that image of swami sitting in a place and a lady coming and stretching out a thread <laughs> from the top of his hair till the tip of his toe to get the exact measurement so that she can win the prize only to get disappointed later on that her garland is either short by 1 inch or it's longer by 1 inch really what beautiful leelas and you know see that contrast or you know it's so beautiful one side swami is assuring the royalty mm-hmm. of their welfare and you know people are coming to him with very serious issues <laughs> political issues family issues mm-hmm. swami is curing people swami is solving family problems on the other hand swami is doing things like this swami is just a playful child because there are other descriptions of things which swami used to do swami would go for you know that chitravati session where swami would suddenly vanish swami would jump out from a boulder and swami would say let's race and run with the children so many beautiful things and i think there's another couple of beautiful incidents which will come later in even in this year 1948 where people were wondering is this the lord who has come to you know give us succor or is this the lord who is you know just come to play with us you know what is he that was the feeling people would have been left with in the meantime you know yeah we went back to the patamandiram days to relive those two beautiful uh, episodes in the meantime we were talking about how you know the new mandir was swami had decided upon getting a new mandir constructed 
there are some very interesting facts about the construction of this new mandir and uh, one thing is the foundation stone laying ceremony for this mandir was done on the 14th of january mm-hmm. 1948 now 14th of january every year is shankranti right and it is very significant that such an opening happened on the shankranti day swami himself explains the meaning of shankranti he says it is from the shankranti day that the sun begins its northward travel mm-hmm. or the uttarayanam as it is called and he says that the significance of the sun moving northward means that this is a very wonderful time for one's mind to move godwards because swami says towards the north in india are located the himalayas which are considered as the abode of the lord in fact uh, if we go to the state of uttarakhand the state of uttarakhand is called devabhumi because the himalayas come there okay. you know it is considered as a land of gods so swami says since the sun moves northwards which is towards the himalayas this means that anybody who is contemplating on growth spiritually mm-hmm. should start activities on this day on the sankranti day and in fact it is for this day that even the great grandsire of the mahabharata bhishma waited before giving up his body because he felt that his spirit would also rise in the spiritual realms he had the boon of ichha mrityu that giving up his life whenever he, he wished to. to so he chose this day isn't it very significant that swami chose this very same day a day on which everybody is you know prescribed to turn their minds towards god he chose this day to lay the foundation stone for the prashanti nilayam indeed because even sankranti swami would say hmm. that it means a change for the good that's what swami would say kranti. some kranti kranti meaning kranti progress meaning progress or change and sankranti means good change, change some means good yes yes you know indeed it's a very special day to choose this and another interesting fact about uh, the plans for the mandir interestingly there is a shivaji theater in bangalore oh yes which Prem, is a very famous to, theater i, I you know, was about to come to it because it was there till about 6 7 years ago oh is it it okay. was demolished recently i have even um, got a few photographs of this mm-hmm. it was at that time the center of bangalore okay. there is a town hall then there is a ravindra kalakshetra okay. which is supposed to be the uh, uh, auditorium for performing arts okay. even to this day all the drama troops and other such music maestros they considered an honor and privilege to give a performance at ravindra kalakshetra okay so there was the town hall the ravindra kalakshetra and just over there is this shivaji theater mm-hmm. it was called shivaji takis and though it became dysfunctional about 2 3 decades ago the building at least remained till about 5 years ago and that's why you know when i came to know about this fact i was so thrilled and Be- i think we have not yet let the fact out yes that's what process. i'm building up the suspense for that <laughs> <laughs> yes you take the honor of letting the fact out yeah interestingly the plan for the old mandir was based on the dimensions of this shivaji takis <laughs> and swami was impressed with the facade of the shivaji right, takis he wanted exactly the same so the exact same measurements of shivaji takis were taken to build the first prashanti mandir and you know today what we have is a totally different kind of prashanti what mandir what was built in the balcony and all is different those days you know there was a krishna statue in the balcony it was like a huge bungalow right and now you know after having come to know of this when i look back yes there is a large resemblance between the shivaji takis 
and Swami's first mandir. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting and no one knows why. But the Lord chose the Shivaji Takis as the model for building the Prashantinilyam Mandir. <laughs> right and it seems the measurements were almost as precise same, and accurate the as same, uh, you know, same the Shivaji Takis. And more interesting than this were, were the kind of people who were involved in the construction of the Mandir. Hmm. And it is needless to say that Swami had handpicked some of these people who were involved. And one legendary figure who was involved was a person whom you mentioned, Thirumala Iyengar. Isn't if it? it was Tirumala Rao for the Patamandir, for the new mandir, it was Tirumala Ayangar. Who was the senior architect. And engineer also. Right, and he was a, you know, a very great man. His name was associated with some of the uh, world famous projects which were taken up in India. Much later on they were taken up. Yes. But he was known for his uh, acumen in the field of engineering and architecture. Exactly. In fact, you know, between 1944 and 1952, even as he lent his expertise and his devotion and dedication to building the big prashantinilyam mandir for swami he was also at that time in charge of the tungabhadra dam project right even to this day the tungabhadra reservoir exists it's a gigantic reservoir measuring about 6000 feet in length about 160 feet in height and uh, it was tirumala ayangar who was involved in building this tungabhadra dam and later on he was also associated with the building of the uh, hirakud dam mm-hmm. now the hirakud dam is the largest dam in india even to this day and you know it shows the kind the stature of tirumala ayangar and it was such a person who was heart body mind and soul into building swami's prashantinilyam and if he was the person who was going to be the senior architect the material for the mandir came from all around the place you know just to give you an idea of that before we come to that i think we should talk about the main substance which was used to make the mandir no cement hmm no even before that swami had said that he wants the building to be built in granite hmm and i don't know you know when we had uh, spoken to one of swami's uh, devotees in those early years and also a person who belonged to the ratnakar family mm-hmm. mr kishtapai by body relation i think he is swami's cousin mm-hmm. you know, he was sharing with us this beautiful incident of how they found the granite to build this mandir because you need quite a lot of granite right, right? You, know, you can imagine swami drew the plans based on shivaji theta it must have been a huge building mm-hmm. so they came up to swami and said swami if we have to transport this much of granite from the nearby places it's going to be very difficult So then Swami said it seems that you go to this place, this particular region in Chitravati and you look for granite there. Hmm. So there there was a small slab of granite you know that place when Swami would go with the devotees to Chitravati Swami would sometimes sit on that slab of granite and you know have bhajans or sometimes after running around and playing Swami would come and lie down on that granite and rest for a while. Hmm. But when they went and explored they found that it was actually a huge granite reserve there. you know literally mm-hmm. a small hillock which was completely a granite so the uh, granite slab that was being seen on top was like the tip of an iceberg yes and when they underneath went, yes when they when they uh, dug up there and excavated they found that they had more than enough granite right there they wouldn't have to get it from anywhere else in fact in the book it is mentioned that that single piece of granite measured about 100 feet in length and 60 feet in width that's really a huge block of granite and you know after they found the granite now they went back to swami and said swami we found the granite but now we have another problem how do we break it up 
because it's a huge chunk one uh, monolith how are we going to break it up and, and in the 19 uh, not even 1950 it was so there would have been no bulldozers or yes, heavy so drilling equipment here i don't know about uh, dynamite blasting <laughs> that time whether it was possible it was possible it was in possible, fact that was tirumala ayyengar's idea right it was possible but the idea was whether it was too close to the dwelling place and whether it could have been a feasible idea to do that no and other thing is prem you know as tirumala ayyengar states that even if they decide to use the dynamite they will need large quantities of dynamite to break up a rock a monolith that is of this size okay so that's when when they come back to swami swami tells hmm. them that go tomorrow and have a look you know that's what swami says but do you have any idea which time of the year this uh, construction was going on i think it must have been in may early 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 in uh, 1948 only still not summer months i don't in, think in so in january is yes. sakamagir and the, uh, the bhumi puja is done then so right, immediately puja. after that must be about march or april so that gives an idea of which part of the year it was yeah summer almost begins right. put up and thing. when they go back the next morning the previous night there's a sudden surprise shower okay in the middle of you know summer or pre summer huh? there's a sudden shower and one lightning strikes that piece of rock <laughs> and shatters it into pieces and the next morning when they go you know the whole thing is scattered all no, over the no place no need of your dynamite no need of your heavy earth moving equipment absolutely they just pick those stones shape it as they want and they use it for the construction one more thought here prem you know when we describe like these you know sometimes it happens that in our enthusiasm for uh, factual correctness and being perfect and historical we sometimes you know slightly forget the divine uh, way in which a devotee would describe when we read the bhagavatam shrimad bhagavatam in that when lord krishna you know lifts the govardhana it is described as the fulfillment of the dream of the govardhana hill you know because uh, it is said that in the previous birth hills were being transported all across the indian subcontinent why because lord shri rama wanted a bridge to be made across to lanka this is a story that you know swami has narrated and uh, when these stones and rocks were being transported to build the bridge suddenly message comes that you know the bridge is ready bridge is ready bridge is ready so all the monkeys drop the rocks stones hills wherever they are carrying and thus the govardhana mountain govardhana hill which had been chosen to serve the lord loses the chance and begins to cry and it is said that rama recognizes the plight of govardhana and promises saying that don't worry you will be an instrument of the lord you will be used your time has not yet come and it is said that therefore when he comes as krishna he picks up the govardhana hill to shelter the whole gokula village from the rain and govardhana giri that is the hill called govardhana rejoices rejoices at being given this chance to be a part of the lord's mission i was just thinking those would have been the similar thoughts of the cloud god of the rain god of the lightning and of that granite rock god knows you know what that slab of granite that huge pile of granite might have been in its previous birth it might have longed for an opportunity to serve the lord you know arvind i'm really glad that you made that point because i i'm reminded of something very profound which happened with a student a hmm. couple of incidents hmm. to start with the first one where it always happens between swami and <laughs> students swami was ignoring the one particular student for quite a period of time hmm. definitely for his own good but that boy was going through that trauma of 
not having uh, swami talk to him for quite some time mm. so when eventually swami spoke to him one day he burst into tears and he said swami what is the point of being in puttapatti mm. you know if you do not look at us and if you do not talk to us mm. we are like just the pillar in the rocks over here mm. of your mandir you know we are sitting yes. here every day we are like the lifeless <laughs> yeah we are like the pillar in the walls we can claim to be here but we are not here you know that was the sentiment he was trying to express to swami Swami was in a very motherly mood and was consoling him but when Swami heard that Swami mm-hmm. became very serious. Mm-hmm. He said you have no idea how much penance each pillar here has done to be here. Oh my god. You know these were the very words of Swami he said you have no idea what each pillar and rock has done to be here. And you said a couple of incidents? Yes and another one was a interesting dream a friend of mine shared with me. Mm-hmm. And of course you could always dismiss it as a dream but for the person it's very strong the imagery with which he shared mm-hmm. the very next day after he got this dream he came and shared it with all of us. He said uh, you know there's a particular place where this boy usually sits in the mandir mm-hmm. and in the dream he was sitting in that very place and he was waiting for Swami to come out for darshan and somehow he felt that the whole mandir the bhajan hall and the whole building the central building in the kulwant hall mm-hmm. he felt it was alive oh you know that was a feeling he felt and when he looked around he felt like if you were to be next to a person you will see that person breathing in and breathing out you would mm. see that movement in that body right correct that expanding and the and contraction, contraction he felt that was happening with the building the whole kulwant hall and yes. the main building ha and in the dream he was feeling that oh this building is actually alive this is not an inanimate building that was the thought which came to his mind and the next thing he did was he put his ear to the wall hmm. you know he wanted to see whether is it really alive or am i just uh, assuming this so he put his ear to the wall and in that depth of silence he heard in a very very beautiful voice in a very posed and you know spread out way the words om namah shivaya om namah shivaya oh wow oh. the first feeling he felt was this is not some ordinary building or this one to somebody who has actually earned its place earned through penance it might be a yogi or saint so yeah you know when we talk about gordana hill we don't know the story of some of these things yeah that, that is exactly what i felt you know we are thinking it as you know swami did this miracle we always look at it as swami doing it for the sake of us people you know imagine the engineer we spoke about him tirumala uh, yangar him going to swami and suggesting that we use dynamite i don't know exactly swami has not revealed it but if we can just imagine for a moment imagine that's a yogi there and that yogi has been pining for being one with the lord and that's why swami has given him the benefit of him lying on him and taking rest as you said throughout the years and now the yogi is crying that swami you're you're separating yourself from me and here is tirumala ayangar coming up with the suggestion that why don't we you know blast up that rock with some dynamites swami says don't worry and he does it in his own divine manner it's a blessing for the clouds a blessing for the lightning a blessing for tirumala yangara a blessing for all the devotees for they witness this miracle and then a blessing for the rock too really you know every everything about the lord is so sweet no wonder vallabhacharya describes it and says adharam madhuram nayanam madhuram vadanam madhuram hasitam madhuram everything about the lord his lips his walk his gait his eyes his hair is everything is so sweet 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 and this story of sweetness will continue we will be back dear listeners after this little break be there to uh, catch up with us again because some more lovely stories are coming up before the end of this afternoon satsang 
Welcome back, dear listeners. You know, just before this break, we were discussing about how blessed was that granite block to have got the chance to constitute Swami's mandir, the Prashantinilayam mandir. You know, every material that was used, Prem, in the construction of the mandir, they came from different parts of South India at that time. That in itself shows that every part, every material was chosen. it's not as if you know everything was bought in bulk from one place from a nearby place for examples after the rock had been shattered with by lightning and it had to be used stone cutters and workers adept in stone dressing they came in from coimbatore masons arrived from bangalore you know cement was not used at all to construct the mandir only a mixture of sand and lime in the ancient construction style it was used and that's why you know you would have noticed that when we go to the bhajanol it's so cool even in summer and it is warm during winter unlike cement which becomes very cold or very hot very fast stone and natural uh, substances like lime and sand they do not they take some time that's why they mitigate they are cool in summer and warm in winter apart from that you know the aras family that we spoke about from mysore the royal family they supplied for the construction the timber the timber and the carpenters also right you know, the carpenters they came they bought the timber from bangalore timber depot right doors and frames were made in bangalore and dispatched transported. and transported here and swami was at the helm of affairs all the time you know they say that he would walk around with a scarf tied around his head hair because you know if the dust or anything falls you know how difficult it will be to <laughs> brush out his yeah, i can hair. i can imagine uh, Maybe Sakama would have told Swami that you better cover your hair. <laughs> yes, you know because only Sakama used to have those liberties. Right. Uh, with she would take those liberties with Swami. She would treat him like her own son, scold him, and yeah. So as you say, I can imagine that she would have told him to tie the scarf. <laughs> so that was how you know things were happening. The construction was going on. Since all this uh, happened before the end of January, I think that even the that rock that rock breaking mm-hmm. what we were thinking was sometime in january that it happened january 1948 so definitely not the monsoons in puttaparthi it's towards the end of winter that it happened right another interesting event happened as we said we've mentioned this before but since we're talking about this period one day in towards the end of uh, january swami was going out to chitravati with his devotees mm-hmm. and abruptly swami returned back to the mandir Okay. In the evening and locked himself in the room and he would not speak to anybody. Every now and then he would come out but would not converse with anybody. Hmm. But finally at seven thirty when Swami came out, Swami mentioned to the people around that a very great soul has merged in me today. In fact, somewhere it I have read it that it's recorded as you know Swami did not speak in English. So when Swami said a great soul, he referred it to as Mahatma, right. a, gr- a great soul that is a Mahatma has yes. merged. 
that was the giveaway but not many people actually realized hmm. that Swami was talking about Mahatma Gandhi who had been assassinated in 1948 on the 30th, 30th of January. January and that was precisely the day and the time yes 5:30 in the evening was the assassination yes, and that was precisely time when Swami was behaving in this weird manner hmm. apparently weird manner and it was much later because some of these devotees who used to stay in the ashram we've spoken about balapathabi they mm-hmm. used to go to bukapatnam once in two days to check if there are any posts for swami or there are any telegrams and also in the meanwhile pick up a newspaper which would be brought back to the ashram that was when mm-hmm. people would read about the current affairs mm-hmm. and after two days when they saw the newspaper they realized that precisely at that time and on that day mahatma gandhi had been assassinated oh and in fact in balapattabi's uh, account he says that swami also mentioned the name gandhi right um, whether he mentioned that or not is still debated but this much is sure that swami said about a great soul a mahatma a mahanatma and well when somebody says mahatma is coming everybody assumes it to be a holy man a sadhu or some great personage well it was swami's way of giving hint about the mahatma that he was referring to indeed blessed is the father of nation and just like shivaji there are many times that swami has spoken about mahatma gandhi too and uh, recently also we had uh, our beloved director that is professor g venkatraman doing a musing on mahatma gandhi and uh, his principles how they were in line perfectly with swami's ideals and ideas it's indeed a recognition it's a stamp of approval if we can say so given to the great father of the nation by the lord himself by the father of the universe <laughs> <laughs> and uh, during this time happened another interesting event mm-hmm. which was swami traveled to kupam to attend the marriage of mrs miss vijaykumari miss who is going to become mrs vijaykumari correct and that was on the 21st of february right. that uh, the uh, marriage was actually scheduled for the 22nd of february and the muhurtam or the auspicious time was 1 o'clock in the afternoon so they thought that if swami comes the previous night he can rest and relax and then he can you know uh, attend the festivities the next day right so swami actually arrived at kuppam at about 11 o'clock in the night became quite late in the night and everybody were actually worried in fact amarendra and krishna kumar the two sons of uh, kuppam radhakrishna he was responsible for the kuppam family coming to swami right. so they were actually traveling Sent along with swami to escort swami yeah to escort to swami right and they all they all of them arrived late and nobody wanted to ask any questions so that night you know it passed with swami immediately going and sleeping and uh, next day morning was the wedding swami himself swami arrived at 12:30 in the afternoon and himself conducted the entire wedding he created a mangala sutra that right. is the secret medallion which is worn by a woman who is just married yes as a mark of her marriage and swami materialized that and he gave all of that you know there was a special chair for swami naturally but swami refused that chair in the evening he sat on the floor with all the other guests and can you believe it prem at the wedding swami regaled them with songs yes in fact i mean to give the background hmm. almost in every uh, marriage in those days there used to be a concert a classical music program either an instrumental or a vocal concert and they would be devotional in nature yes, unlike the film songs that are played these days like the ones days. which we do yeah. these days hmm. where you entertain the guests who have come for the marriage even as each one goes up and wishes the couple with a, a classical concert like this and as you described so beautifully in that occasion 
when Swami was supposed to preside over this whole function, Swami actually sat down to give that concert. You know, he started off with Mahaganapatim, the famous Carnatic uh, composition, and after that, he sang many kritis composed by Tyagaraja. You know, he sang Rama Ramani Manohara, Rara Mainti Daka, Rama Nannu Brovara, and Brochewa Revarura. Concluding with, you know, uh, a bhajan that has become very, very popular, which is Rama Kodanda Rama. And in fact, it is said that when he sang the final song, which was Nagumomu, in that there is a line which says, Jagamele Paramatma, which means that the Paramatma, that is the Supreme Lord, is now in the world. When Swami was singing this, it, people said that everybody was in tears. An amazing concert of 7-8 Carnatic songs. <laughs> in the divine voice in the praise of the divine oh, what a magical evening it would have been you know I, I remember when on a later occasion Swami would often sing these songs even when Swami visited to the Venkatgiri palace huh. and Swami would visit them with Ram and Lakshman they were two famous Carnatic singers and Swami would sit and sing along with them yes, I think it is, they were twins B.V. Raman and B.V. Lakshman okay hmm. So, one of our students once uh, was listening to that recording of Swami's singing one of those uh, beautiful kritis. Mm. There comes a line where it says that, Aa Ramude Nuve Kada. That's what Tyagaraja writes. And when Swami was singing that line, you know, these Carnatic songs, the lines are repeated number of times in different variations. And when that line comes the last time, Swami actually sings, Aa Ramude Nene Kada. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And I mean, going back to this event of Swami performing this marriage, how beautiful it would have been, Swami. You know, you said that uh, again. <laughs> Swami's story is built on like that. You said, "Ah, Ramude Nene Kada." In fact, the rulers at Venkatagiri. We will come to that in the 1950s because that is when Swami went to Venkatagiri. But uh, ruler at Venkatagiri was a staunch devotee of Lord Rama, right. and in fact, he received the darshan of Swami as the Kodanda Rama, that is the Rama with the bow. So it would have been. Uh, no surprise for those people when Swami sang Aramudu Nene Kada. But what a fulfillment it is for this devotee whom we all have so much reverence for, Tyagraja, that the Lord Himself comes after so many years and you know He so lovingly and with so much joy sings those very compositions which were composed for Him. And what a fulfillment for that devotee it is. And to imagine Indeed. that till the very end, Swami would enjoy Tyagraja Kirtanas more than He would enjoy anything else. Sung to him. So, dear listeners, even as we you know recollect that event of Swami sitting and giving a musical concert, we come to the end of this week's satsang. But uh, Prem, you know, before I just forget, I just wanted to make one quick point here. We narrated that, you know, when Swami was going to Kupam, he got very delayed. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, uh, later on, actually, they found out the reason for the delay. Apparently, this uh, Krishna, Sai Krishna, this mischievous Lord Sai, while traveling in the car, happened to sight some peacocks and deer yes. uh, on the way. Because that was all forest land. Sad that it is not like that today. But the forested land, there were some deer and peacocks. Swami gets out from the car and begins chasing them. Oh, so sweet. And then both these brothers, Amarendra and Krishna Kumar, they have no idea where Swami went. They are searching, searching and it's quite late in the evening and almost early night by the time they locate Swami. And Swami is so happy, like a thrilled child who has had a beautiful time at a fun fair. 
and he sits back it's late in the night so they decide to also stop for some refreshments and there another interesting episode takes place where you know amarendra eats something very spicy andhra is known for its spicy food and the spicy food he's feeling it burn on his tongue and he wants something sweet to erase that negate that effect but there's no sweet nearby swami tells him to drink water from his bottle amarendra refuses saying that you know actually water scientifically that's that. correct yes water if you drink after eating a chili it doesn't wipe out that burn because the chemist in me is coming out the chemistry says that those molecules which cause the feeling of spiciness or hot mm-hmm. they are fat soluble and that's why they say add ghee or oil then the spice goes off but they're not water soluble so how much ever water you drink actually it will not wipe out the spice so when he was saying swami insisted on him drinking the water and he says when he drank it was not water but ambrosially sweet liquid he doesn't know what it was it not only comforted him physically i'm sure it would have comforted him in his spiritual journey too the interesting thing was when the other brother picked up the same whistle and drank it was water again <laughs> and you know the human mind the way it puts it amarendra later says that you know swami did this without even touching the bottle he didn't even <laughs> touch the bottle and it happened you know we often think that if swami touches and something happens okay it's fine but without touching it this is amazing you know this is the limitation of the human mind which it impresses on to others also on to the lord also i mean so that was the reason why swami was late in traveling to kuppam and then that was a very fulfilling wedding at the end of which swami sang and i think with that one of those songs that swami sang there in his own golden voice we can sadly this was not a recording of that event when swami sang this is uh, swami singing a tyagraja kirtana at venkatgiri because there they had better equipment and at the wedding of miss vijay kumari uh, it was a surprise nobody I, was prepared for I, it yes, right yes i am not complaining prem something <laughs> is better than nothing yes so with this dear listeners we offer our humble gratitude and you know so much of so much of love to swami for giving us this beautiful opportunity to live with him live in him live for him relive his glories day by day sanctifying all our lives expressing our gratitude at his lotus feet we would like to leave you with this beautiful melody in bhagwan's golden voice samani pile jite ravelani kinde
ஒரு 
at 12.30 p.m. on October 24th, 2013. We hope you enjoyed it. Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosci.org. Next week, same day, same time will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.